Hi, no, I really mean that. Hi, and welcome to the fifth Here's Johnny's review of what I'm calling Nostalgia Vember, a very special two-part episode in which I review films that are nostalgia to me. So here is part one, Scream 2. Why Scream 2, I hear you ask? Well, back in 1998, this was the very first horror film I ever saw in the cinema, all by my lonesome in a roasting hot pat cinema yes scream may be the better movie however i miss seeing that in the cinema by a matter of weeks as i was just too young uh, no more to see it but of course as soon as it got on vhs i read it again and again and again and i loved it anyway this isn't a scream review it's a scream 2 review however before i dive into this i will say back in 2000 i was at a stabathon where they showed scream 3 for the first time in britain and it was pretty much like the opening of Scream 2, but with no freebies. On to my review itself. I suppose I should start with a cast. Now this may take a while, folks, because the cameos are wild in this one. Okay, first up we have Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, Jerry O'Connell, Timothy Oliphant, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Laurie Metcalf, Jamie Kennedy, Leif Schreiber, Elise Neal, Heather Graham, Louis Arquette, Jada Pinkett-Smith, Omar Epps, David Warner, Owen Wilson and Tori Spelling. Not forgetting Rebecca Gayhart, Portia de Rossi and Joshua Jackson in his first film role fresh off of his Dawson's Creek fame. Craven learned that he can't have a huge crowd scene as it would be leaked onto the internet that night and things have to be changed. This is his excuse for the film set up with changing halfway through the movie but more about later. Since Scream is big on rules, I should give you my rules of horror. 1. Never trust children. 2. Never trust elderly. And 3. Always have a shower scene as a homage to Psycho. By the way, I should say that Jada Pinkett gets popcorn from the guy at the till, from the director of photography, Peter Denning. I don't know why I mentioned that, but here, <laughs> on to another little query I have. Why is the size of the small butter popcorn and small diet Pepsi the size of our large popcorn and drink in Britain the now? Hmm. Anyway, Star 69 was made popular because of Scream. Also, I should say AT&T made a lot of money off it and it even made more from the back of this movie. I should also say that the Thread of the 13th reference in this almost lost Omer Epps his hearing due to the fake knife in the ear and the wadding that was used. During the stab scenes, the police were called due to the fact that Heather Graham's scream was so loud and so convincing. The college that was used to be Windsor College was actually an all-girls school in Atlanta called the Agnes Scott. And it was supposed to be one of the hottest summers on record, reaching temperatures of 137 Fahrenheit. Also, since I'm onto the college, spot Freddy's jumper on the back of the closet door, which is when Sydney's roommate, Hallie, tells her about the martini mixer later on in the night, which is a running theme in the screen movies as Wes Craven himself wears it in Scream 1 as Fred the Janitor. The sequel debate was shot after a private screening in which it was too obvious that Mickey was the killer. Also, Craven wanted to pad out Sarah Michelle's role as Cece, as I said earlier, spot Joshua Jackson, and his first role since his Dawson's Creek. Oh, and while I'm on Joshua, the debate he has with Randy, um, he was right and Randy was wrong. It's actually get away from her, you bitch. 
not stay away from your bitch as it's stated in the movie. That brings me to Jamie Kennedy, who was a total joker slash prankster, how would you like to call them, on set and would routinely cause multiple takes to be done. His terrible impressions were made up on the spot by him and it would change take after take and that's a bit where he does the bad David Bowie impression to Sydney. Anyway, moving on to Courtney Cox. She came up with the idea of a stronger yet more tacky Gail Weathers with the extreme haircut and colour. Also the power suits and extremely large tacky jewellery. Moving on to Jerry O'Connell playing Sydney's boyfriend Derek. He was fresh from his role in the terrible sci-fi programme Sliders, which is basically a quantum leap ripoff. Moving on to the powerhouse performance from Laurie Metcalf as Debbie Salt, the local girl weathers, or was she? Hmm. She was fresh from the winding down Roseanne, which ran for 10 seasons prior. Also spot David Arquette's dad, Louis Arquette, a chief Hartley. And while I'm on the celebrity cameos, also spot a pre-Mrs. DeGeneres, Portia Del Rossi, and Rebecca Gayhart as the mean girl wannabes. This brings me to the Dewey theme, uh, which was taken from John Woo's Broken Arrow, and cost, I, and I quote, a small fortune to acquire the rights to, as this was a scratch track. However, Craven fell in love with it and decided to keep it. Also, notice that Timothy Oliphant's character, Mickey, is always carrying a video camera around with him. Also, notice that Debbie Salt was always the first one on scene, even beating the Gloryhound Gale. I wonder why. Mm. The oozing scene took over 14 takes. Like I said, Jamie Kennedy, uh, David Arquette, a bit of a prankster on set. I would try to get his fellow actors to do corpse. However, the dialogue was so long in that scene that Arquette had to do take after take after take. So, on to Sydney's colour scheme which was deliberately made darker by the producers because they wanted her to stand out from the crowd of quote plastics another reference from Mean Girls there oh yes I should also mention that the, the person on the phone that Sarah Michelle was talking to is actually Selma Blair who would just missed out on the role of Sid, Sydney because according to the viewers commentary the screen test she barely missed it also, in the screen test, the Michael Myers mask was used due to the fact that Ghostface mask wasn't found yet. I'd love to personally see the footage of that, but I doubt that thing will be shown. Also, please note the clips of Nosferatu were used on the TV as CC gets harassed on the telephone, which is a subtle nod to Buffy. Speaking of Buffy, Sarah Michelle herself done her own stunt, getting thrown through the patio doors and off the roof, which apparently scared her as it was higher than she was used to, as she did most of her own stunts on Buffy. Notice that Stu is from Scream 1, is skulking around in the background during the mixer party. Why? No, it's not, as the, the fans suggest, but that Stu had a brother, and he was in fact planning revenge for his brother, but Matthew Rod was actually dating Nev Campbell at the time. Which brings me to the Ewok debate. Yes, Ewoks do blow, but more on Star Wars at a later time. Interesting bonus fact for you. Frat houses were actually phased out in America in the 50s but came back due to the popularity of 1978's Animal House starring John Belushi and Kevin Bacon. Which another bonus fact is actually his first role. Not as people think the 1980 Friday the 13th. Yes, quickly let's have a quick talk about why the killer is so clumsy during killing. Is it because there's two, 
Or was it due to the fact that in real life the stuntman couldn't see out the mask due to the poorly designed mask? Or as most horror fans tell you, that the scream mask is also impossible to breathe in. Also, while I'm at it, spot Wes Craven in the background while Derek gets his arm wound checked out. This was Wes Craven doing his best Hitchcock impersonation, <laughs> putting himself in most of his own movies. Hmm. On to the two gay detectives. Hmm. Gay detectives or just friendly? Hmm. You decide. One of which was Wes Craven's son, Jonathan Craven's friend from the arm drum class, and the other was a stuntman, but more ahead later. One thing that Craven apparently learned on set was never use live singing, as O'Connell would never get the same key twice during his Top Gun nod, I Think I Love You song. The I'll Wait For Video line I used to use quite a lot. In fact, I still use it, except I now update it to saying DVD, Blu-ray, or now Netflix if something looks particularly bad. Such as the film within a film, which Craven should have known doesn't work because he tried this in the new nightmare. Hmm. The stab scenes with the hilarious cameo by Tori Spelling and Owen Wilson playing Sid and Billy. Which, by the way, I should say, these scenes were supposed to be followed by Robert Rodriguez, but he was busy doing other things and asked for his name to be taken off film. Yeah, that scene in particular I should mention because that scene between David Arquette and Jimmy Kennedy, as I said earlier, the two were pranksters and jokers, and they corpsed on set multiple times by making each other laugh. Also, due to the dialogue, the scene took 15 takes from Kennedy and only two takes from Arquette. <laughs> it's an interesting little fan fact for you there. Another interesting fact is that Mev is a trained dancer and did all her own dancing in the Cassandra scene. But David Warner as her drama teacher. The music she danced to was scored by Danny Alphen. The phone headline was made up by Arquette and Cox. Also, the dialogue about her nudes being looked online and that being her head on Jennifer Anderson's body as a nod to her own friends. Another interesting fact for you is the Randy killing was one of the first killings to be filmed in broad daylight as Craven what he needed to kill off a fan favourite. However, I never really liked Randy and I thought that him following Sydney to the same college was a little bit creepy because it's supposed to be set miles away. Hmm. Moving on to Sydney getting cyberbullied in a library by the killer and the cops leading her to an open doorway where she gets harassed by Lee Shriver's Cotton Weary into doing the interview that ultimately will save her life. Well done, the amen. <laughs> hey. uh, I should also say very quickly that Craven blames, or blamed her, she's now dead, plot holes and plot lines dropped to the fact, such as um, the first couple of victims being named after the victims in Scream, due to the fact that the script was leaked multiple times on the internet, and it had multiple rewrites, including a plot line where Haley and Mickey were actually the killers and lovers. Hmm, I wonder if it would have worked, I'm not sure. Yes, every time I hear Dewey's theme, I always think of Broken Arrow, a much more better film than Scream 2, but maybe more on that and later. On to the Debbie Salt or Ghostface stalking Gale in a soundproof set, which was actually the last day of filming 
and was added due to Craven being scared of being trapped in a sound booth while getting stopped by a killer. Because the, no one could hear you as you're getting killed. Mm, interesting fact, yeah. The cop, the coat gay cop, wearing the tie, not the waistcoat, because the waistcoat was Craven's son friend, was only hired due to him being a stuntman. And in fact, he is actually doing that stunt with no safety wire. Hmm. Onto the stunt itself, I should say that Nev actually did crawl through the barrier and through the car window in one take. However, the actress that played Sid's roommate gets stuck, and this is why it was cut away. Hmm. If you notice in Scream 3, Sid wears the Greek letters around her neck throughout the movie, but not in Scream 4. Hmm. Anyway, the Greek letters that causes Derek to be kidnapped by his frat brothers and tied to a tree, while they actually poured ice-cold beer down poor Jerry O'Connell's boxers, then moved him miraculously to the Cassandra set for him to be found days later by the, the drama class. Yes, well done, the Hazing Society there. Now on to Derek's death scene, in which Nev had to cover the wound because it looked so bad on camera. In fact, they actually had to CG over it. Mm. This is where, even back in 1998, I could tell the script was rewritten and it never worked for me. However, Mickey's big confession speech, rather, was supposed to be a huge two fingers to the critics written by Craven on the set. The fight scene between Mickey and Sid was actually done by Ned and Timothy Oliphant, which caused that packed cinema audience to gasp because, and I quote from one behind me, a man and woman violence was just too much. The review with Debbie Salt was in fact Mrs. Loomis, Billy's mom, was another fact that caused a huge gasp from the audience, which I picked up on and I ever seen when Gail smacks her down for being a copycat. I want to be Gail Weathers, because the look that Laurie Metcalf gives her is a shit, I'm going to kill you, bitch! And also, hello, Friday the 13th, tying in nicely. To the start of the movie where Omar's death and the whispering in the cubicle. Which brings me to poor Cockney Cox almost dying on the set due to CO2 poisoning from the dry ice as she was thrown down the orchestra pit. Also, Timothy Oliphant was kicked five or so times by Metcalf as she goes bug nuts crazy and she goes into full Mrs. Loomis mode a la Friday the 13th. Note that Debbie Salt slash Mrs. Loomis only killed one person person or Randy which means Mickey must have killed the rest while recording his victims. Okay I get that some real killers in real life such as Ted Bundy and Jeffrey Dahmer were actually watched actually at the murder scenes watching the, the police do their work giving them a sense of, a sense of power however that's pretty much a s not working way I mean, it's pretty much a sin that, that Craven uses again in Scream 4. Now I should mention Laurie and Nev done their own stunts in this fight scene, causing uh, poor Laurie to be hit five or so times with fake boulders uh, that weighed apparently 10 pounds each, leaving cuts and bruises. When Cotton shoots Mrs. Loomis, Nev and Laurie get into the fight scene so much that they actually knocked herself out as they butted heads. <laughs> but anyway, back to Dewey's miraculously surviving getting stabbed multiple times in the back was another weak streak due to the fact that in the test audience they hated the fact that he was killed off. However, I never actually liked Dewey as a character. I thought he was too stupid and too silly a character. Even in Scream 3 drove me bloody nuts. But anyway, 
no one was going to feed later. So that was Scream 2. Not the best horror out there, but it was the first one I saw in cinemas. Therefore, it has a place in my heart. So from the Ghostface Killer to Ghosts of Christmas in the other part of Nostalgia November. Part 2 will be 1988's Scrooge, my favourite Christmas movie. Which leads me on to December to Dismember. Festive horror, folks. Yes, such as the classic 1974 Black Christmas, Silent Deadly Part 2, Santa's Sleigh, and The Bug Nuts, New Year's Evil. So until next time, don't answer the phone. Never say, I'll be right back. And the killer is indestructible, so shoot the fucker in the head. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod and email me movie suggestions at Here's Johnny's Reviews at gmail.com. Anyway, bye.